Humans are living now longer than they ever have before, and we need to take care of these bodies so that we can enjoy our life all the way to the end. My personal philosophy is the more time I'm spending in the good positions is less time in the bad positions. I mean, we get less of that bad wear and tear. Our societal structure is very different from how our bodies have been designed to thrive. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Women Waken podcast where we help women navigate relationships, healing, and building self-confidence for a better life and greater connection with their soul and spirit. I'm your host, Whitney Walker. And today, I'm here to speak with a good friend of mine, Jen Sylvester, who is a doctorate of physical therapy. Today, I talk with Jen about how she works with her clients to address issues such as body image, listening to your body and establishing a healthy relationship with your body, how to find ways to age well, how to find the lifestyle and physical activities that work best for your specific body, because we often try to push our body and don't listen to what it's actually needing or telling us. There's a lot of helpful information about getting in touch with the physical activity, diet that works best for us to help us age well and do well and feel good about our bodies. So here's my guest, Jen. Hello, Jen. Welcome to the Women Waken podcast. Hi, Whitney. Hi. It's so good to finally have you on the show. It's good to be here. I love their podcast. I really enjoy listening to them. So thanks for inviting me to join the conversation too. Thank you so much. Well, I would love for the show to be a resource more and more for women who are looking to really build their confidence to feel more comfortable and connected with their bodies, to build a healthy relationship with their bodies, and to really start to be able to trust more of their own guidance and intuition about their bodies, their relationships, their emotions, their experiences, all of that. And so, Jen, you are a doctorate of physical therapy. Yes. So you're a physical therapist, and you have a very unique practice, which We'll get into that too, because we're both nomadic, gypsy, entrepreneurial women, (laughs) women on the road. It's an exciting lifestyle. It's not conventional though, for sure. No. And that's what I love about it. Jen, what I would love for us to focus on today is being a physical therapist, you learn about every single muscle and bone and connecting tissue and all of that in the body. So you really understand what's going on. And I think another really important thing for women is to be educated about their bodies. Mm -hmm. And many of us aren't. We have no idea what's going on where we're having a certain type of pain or a certain difficulty with a certain exercise or activity. And my show also, the audience is usually about between like 30, 40s, people in their 50s even. And that's kind of around the time where, you know, when we were in our 20s, we could pretty much get away with it and sort of do whatever we wanted and not feel. But, you know, you get into your 30s and stuff and 40s and you're like, oh, what is this new feeling? <laughs> well, I'm just up with you as we get a little older. Yeah. Yes. So to start, Jen, maybe I would love for you to share a little bit about your focus, about your unique work, and then we can kind of lead into what you've learned about women and their relationship with their bodies, body image, and how they can be gain greater awareness of what's going on with their bodies. Yeah. 
my business, I have worked in traditional clinics. I've worked in hospitals. I've done home health. Uh, and then I decided in 2014 that I really wanted to approach healthcare so that I could deliver to the level of my education. When we're in a clinical setting, especially I'll say if you're working in a clinic that is dependent on reimbursement from insurance, it changes the way you practice. So you, because you're reliant on the reimbursements for how the business is going to run, you, it changes decision-making in what treatments you're going to provide. You have to see a lot more patients just to make sure you're making a lot of money because reimbursements are, you know, it's clear that the profession is undervalued based on what insurance companies will reimburse for. So I started my own company. I am a cash practice, which means I'm out of network for everybody. Um, I do provide a super build so that my patients can submit those to their insurance companies and they'll get paid back what the insurance company would have paid me. But what that does is the patient is going to know upfront what they're going to be paying for that session. There's no surprise fees or anything. I know how much I'm going to get. And then I prefer not to give a time limit. We're going to work until the job is done. I'm going to do whatever treatments are necessary until the job is done. And I'm not, you know, watching the clock. I'm not waiting for the next person to come in. There's no rush. It's very relaxed atmosphere. And so I started doing concierge care in 2014 and was going into people's homes. I would go to gyms with them. I would go hiking with them. I went surfing with one person. So wherever it was that they needed help to address whatever the mobility issue was, I was there for them. Mm -hmm. And then when the pandemic hit, changed gears a little bit. And I decided that the safest option was to pull all of my clinical care online. So I shifted over to telehealth. I have a number of patients who were very clinically vulnerable and I didn't want to put them at risk. And then after transitioning to telehealth, found that outcomes were pretty good. It's not the best solution for every patient. So when somebody contacts me and I think, you know what, I think you really need to have the hands-on care and I'm not going to be there to provide it, I refer them to somebody else. But for most people, it's very convenient. I can see in their homes. I can see their day-to-day activities, their lifestyle, how they bend over to pet their dog or pick up their kid or, you know, reach for things off the shelf in their natural environment, which is how I prefer it. And so with the business, I do physical therapy, but another big thing that I do is lifestyle coaching, or I have what I call the lifestyle renewal program. And that is an intensive program for people who maybe have some medical difficulties. Maybe they have a disability. Maybe they just haven't been, their bodies are not where they want them to be health-wise, but they don't have acute injury or something that they need to go through regular rehab with. And so I look at nutrition. I look at the ergonomics of their workspace. I look at their positions for sleeping look at their footwear. So I'm addressing the whole body issue and not just the one area of complaint and try to get people on a lifestyle program that is going to suit their needs. And and this is always an ongoing process, right? So if you start off with a with some kind of a goal in mind, maybe we get a bunch of exercises together and I put together a nutrition plan 
but it's always better to do little nudges rather than try to like dive into the deep end or think of it like a whole body makeover process. Because with little nudges, little tiny lifestyle changes, little tweaks here and there, you're more likely to be successful with it in the long run than than trying to change a whole bunch all at once. So yeah. that's kind of my approach to my physical therapy and with this lifestyle renewal program is I'm not just looking at the one thing that somebody's complaining about, but I want to give my patients and my clients the tools that they need so that they can have an enduring change and they're empowered to take care of themselves and not keep coming back into the medical system for care over and over and over and over again. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of my approach. Beautiful. Wonderful. Well, thank you for sharing. And then, Jen, how did you get into this work? What made you inspired to do that? Is it because you were interested in the connection between how people can be more consistently healthy and not have to end up with these chronic health conditions? Because I feel like that's a lot of what PT can do is to early on kind of catch what's the, you know, continued behaviors that are causing repercussions in the body and really adjust that, discontinue that so that they have more fluidity, better functioning. But what, what was it that did it for you? Absolutely. Well, um, so for me, I mean, it was a very personal story, but I didn't know it at the time. I was diagnosed with arthritis when I was about 20 years old. And so, and it was osteoarthritis, non-rheumatoid or juvenile arthritis. So, you know, usually you would see that appearing in somebody who is maybe in middle age or older and started off with my knee and then it was my other knee and then my feet and then my shoulder and then my spine. And like, I've got it in a lot of places. So I was feeling very, very debilitated. I had been a dancer when I was in college. I was dancing like 40 hours a week with different clubs and classes and companies. And and then when the arthritis started bothering my knees, then I had to really pull back or felt like I had to really pull back. And so I stopped dancing. What After graduating, I really didn't do a lot of physical activity, you know, very much bunch at all. The problem just kept getting worse and worse. And I went to PT school because I was inspired. I ended up working with people with disabilities. I really loved that work. I wanted to continue that. And once I was in PT school and I was learning more about the joints and about arthritis and about treatments, I got so furious that I was not told to pursue physical therapy earlier or as a patient. Instead, doctors were giving me pills. And they said, oh, yeah, take this and then, you know, just don't move too much. And it turns out that is that's not at all the right path, or at least I believe, because you're masking the symptoms and you're not addressing the root source of the problem. And so for me, the root source of my problem was from all of the dancing, I'd become really flexible, really hypermobile. My joints weren't moving exactly how how they were supposed to. And so I got really advanced wear and tear at an early age. And now that I'm on the other side of the clinical table, I'm a physical therapist. I really want people to learn that how they can control their bodies better. And that preventative part of it is so overlooked in our modern healthcare system. Right now, the healthcare system is set up. A problem occurs 
Then we react to it. We're going to give you medicines to take care of the symptoms, maybe some surgeries, as opposed to addressing the issue in childhood and early adulthood with screening, with preventative care, finding out, oh, these are problem areas that you are susceptible to. Let's teach you how to move better. Let's teach you about ergonomics, get you out of the bad footwear. Let's put away those high heels and put in some other options that are going to serve you better because humans are living now longer than they ever have before. And we need to take care of these bodies so that we can enjoy our life all the way to the end and not feel debilitated and have to keep pulling back and back because of joint issues, pain, or other chronic medical conditions, which conservative care like physical therapy can really, really help to prevent, like heart disease, pulmonary problems, diabetes, those kind of things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. And I'm such a proponent of preventative work and action because just as you said, that's not the medical model we have. And it really doesn't serve the people. It serves companies. It serves corporations to not have preventative care because then it, people will increase the severity of their conditions and their illness and need more and more treatment, which brings the money in. There's not money in prevention. So, right. however, we can't go on like this. You know, we have so many people who live with chronic illness and chronic pain. And a lot of it is because they don't know, like you were talking about ergonomics and the best way to, to conduct our bodies and move our bodies. People don't know. And it results in these impactful problems. So I think that's great. So what are some things that people can be aware of that you share with your client? You know, like, let's say someone come in, comes in and they say, I can't really go for long walks anymore. I'm having a lot of pain in my knees or something like that. And they say, and maybe they're still young, right? In their 30s. And it's like, what can I do now? What can I be aware of that's impacting this? And what do you recommend to people? Well, um, the very first place that I start with a new patient is to look at their posture and alignment. And I often in just one visit or within one visit, I assess their alignment and then I'll take on just kind of move their shoulder or have them like lift their spine or, or move. You just hold themselves in a little bit of a different position in a corrected position. And I'll have them kind of feel that. And I'll say, okay, now shake it out and reset and go right back into it. And they're usually able to feel how to get into that corrected position. Takes a little bit of effort because your body's always finding the path of least resistance. You're always trying to find what is going to require the least amount of energy. So you know, you slouch a little bit or you kind of post up on one hip a little bit when you're standing. But when you're corrected, you are in an alignment where the body is going to function at its best. All the nerves, all the organs, you're going to get deeper breaths. Everything's just going to function well when you are in a good alignment. And so that's usually my starting point. And then throughout the day, I encourage my patients to become aware of what they're doing when they're out of that. And as soon as you feel, oh, I'm slouched over the kitchen sink while I'm washing dishes. Oh, well, let's lengthen up. My personal philosophy is the more time I'm spending in the good positions is less time in the bad positions. I'm going to get less of that bad wear and tear. And for my arthritic body, that has been really a game changer. So after we kind of re-educate the body, how are you supposed to be standing? How are you supposed to be sitting? 
what is the right alignment. From there, then we go into some targeted exercises. I find the weak muscle groups or the stiff or tight areas and kind of give some corrections with stretches or exercises. And then really, really want everybody to learn the value of some good footwear. So (laughs) I could probably talk a long time with you about cute shoes versus what's going to really serve you well. The footwear is part of it, but any surface that gravity is going to be loading your body into. So gravity is loading your foot into the shoe and the whole body weight is on top of that. Or are you in a good share? I have had a patient who we found out that her couch was what was driving her back pain. Wow. Um, And I would imagine office chairs too, like where people are sitting. I mean, because we know the effects of sedentary lifestyles where people Mm -hmm. are in a job or on the computer all day and they're sitting. It's really not great for our bodies. Yeah. Yeah. The phrase is sitting is the new smoking. Right. So yeah, not been moving around often. And for a lot of people, unfortunately, the way their job is structured is you are sitting in front of a screen in one position for hours on end, trying to just meet those productivity goals, whatever they are. And and workplaces haven't really built in the ability to get up and move around and change position and maybe go for a walk in the middle of the day. So our societal structure is very different from how our bodies have been designed to thrive. And so many ways, basically every way. We'll marry that at some point, but right now we're, we're kind of not quite there. Yeah, we're not there. I think though in the last 10 years, there's been more of an emphasis on that need for get up and move every half hour, every hour, as many times as you can throughout the day. Because just like you said, it's once we realize how damaging something is, you know, like as you said, smoking a pack a day, not healthy for you. Sitting the entire day, so incorporating that sort of, you know, okay, I need to, even if I can't go do a full workout, I can at least go walk around the block, walk up the stairwell. I remember when I used to work in sales and tech companies, we'd all, I'd go out to the stairwell and there'd always be a couple of us like doing our stairs just to get some movement, you know? And so I think there is more of that and more of an awareness of I need to move my body, which also leads me down to another part of your work is, you know, I work a lot with women with body image issues and eating disorders and usually eating disorders go hand in hand with abusing exercise as a means of calorie restriction. And that can also, when we push our bodies to limits that we're not meant for, our bodies will respond. Our bodies are not indestructible. They will be affected. So it's kind of a loaded question, but it doesn't even have to be disorder related. But I feel like a lot of people also, exercise can be an addiction, but it can also be like your passion. So I feel like people tend to push their bodies that maybe isn't the way that their specific body is meant to be push, if that makes sense. You know, like extreme sports or activities, like let's say people who really want to run a marathon or they love skiing or long distance running, whatever it is. Sometimes I think people need to realize like, maybe this doesn't work for me because it's wearing down my body. and I feel like it's affecting me. And I think it all comes down to listening to your body, right? When you are on a mission for something, you can tune out your body and be like, just keep pushing and be like, whatever, I'm not going to listen to this pain. I'm not going to listen to this difficulty, this discomfort, because it's an inconvenience. 
Yeah, there's a lot there. To go back to the thought of the eating disorder and the exercise obsession. Yeah, I see that a lot in not just American society, but it is a very strong conditioning here uh, for women to look a certain way. And our society really values long, lean, skinny women. Luckily, now there's more emphasis on strong women, but we don't want to be really bulky with our muscles. And people will do a lot of crazy things with restricting their diet or, you know, eating really is like certain things that they think are going to make them end up looking a certain way. I mean, I've been in that too. I'm really grateful now that I have found a place in my life where instead of restricting food or selecting foods, I am now selecting nutrition. Whereas before it would be, oh, I need to pare down as much as I can in my meal. Now I'm adding. Now I'm adding seeds and nuts to my salads and I'm, I am, I'm adding more herbs and I'm adding all of these other things where I can derive micronutrients. I'm selecting the more colorful foods, bring on all of the vegetable sides that I can get yeah. and, and not trying to think, oh, well, I only need to have this certain amount of calories in my day. And it's not the calories, it's the quality of the food. And similar with exercise, If you want to think about, oh, I I need to exercise a certain way to get my health benefits for cardiovascular exercise as an example, if you are doing vigorous exercise a lot, yes, you are going to get really, really good health benefits. But if you do moderate exercise, you're also going to get really good health benefits. You don't have to be busting yourself in the gym. To come back to my own personal story, as a person who has a lot of arthritic joints, I tried so often to start running. Oh, I got to be a runner. Running is so good for your bones. Running is so good for your muscles, for your heart. And I tried and tried and tried. And I would typically get about two weeks in before my body would say, that's enough. And then have to take a complete rest for weeks to recover because my joints were just too inflamed. Yeah. So selecting the right exercise, the right things, but just like selecting the right foods, I just select my movements wisely. So instead of running on land, I took up aquatic exercise and I can run in the water. If I'm maybe like chest deep in a pool, that is a great way for me to build up that cardiovascular endurance And when you're pushing through the water, the water's pushing back on you. That's also strengthening. So selecting that kind of an exercise. And then eventually, after doing that for a few years, I was able to start getting back on land again. And my big crowning achievement was I did a 5K once. (laughs) After a lot of training, for a lot of people, they're like, oh, 5K, that's, you know, I'm doing marathons. I'm a triathlete. But for me and my body, that was such a huge accomplishment. Yeah. No. So if a person does have some limitation with a medical condition, with pain, with joint issues, finding the right thing so that they can keep moving, but also learning where that line is not to overdo it. Because if you overdo it, you're going to get injured. You're going to need some recovery time. And then you keep playing this back and forth game with exercise and recovery. 
industry. And that also is not very good for the body. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I, just as you said, I think that the same way that trying to move more towards thinking about nutrients in our meals rather than calories and all of that and think about how am I satiating my body? How am I getting the things that I need for me? The same can be thought of with exercise is rather than like, how can I push this to give me what I want as far as like physical look? It's like, how can I let this work for me? How can I move my body in a way that is good and feels good and my body appreciates it and it's not too much? Because I think that a lot of people get into sort of an all or nothing mindset, right? They're like, I'm either going to train for a full marathon or I'm going to not do anything. And more and more, there are studies coming out about the incredible benefits of just walking 20 minutes a day, you know, Absolutely. just <laughs> and like, we don't have to like push ourselves to near collapse to get physical benefits, right? Cardiovascular benefits. And then also there's a lot to say about going for walks. Like being in nature is also huge for our health and well-being. Getting fresh air, having time in the sun, like all of these things are, there's so many things to incorporate in our well-being. And I feel like there's only like a few that we really fixate on, which is pushing and getting like super lean and strong and having all these impressive accomplishments. And those are fine. Like, I'm not saying like people shouldn't like go for the things they want to do, but it's, you got to listen to your body. You know, I think that we've really gotten very detached from our bodies and just wanting to see what we can achieve and do. And our bodies can do a lot. Our bodies are remarkable. And if you train correctly, I think that's probably a thing you also work with as clients is if you want to run this marathon, if you want to climb this mountain, train. Be a, what are you doing to get yourself there? What are you doing to make sure that you're taking the steps that you are not going to get injured and you're going to be aware of where your strengths are, where your challenges are in your body and set yourself up for success rather than injury. Absolutely. Absolutely. You mentioned about being outdoors as a way to be healthy, about not pushing super duper hard and still being healthy. You don't have to be a certain size to be healthy. You can, no matter what you do, or what size you are, or what your health status is, if you are doing a little bit of movement every day, you're on the right track. We need to just, you know, celebrate things. If you are power vacuuming your house, that's physical activity. If you're gardening, that's physical activity. We don't have to be at a gym. We don't have to be in a Zumba class. You know, you... Any physical activity is going to be in the right direction for good health. You said something that reminded me of one of my patients who she was in her 70s at the time, still going strong, but she was quite a traveler. So she would go on these adventures around the world. She'd be on safari. She goes all over the place. I really admire this woman. And when I met her, she came to me because she wanted to go to Uganda and go up into the mountains to see the mountain gorillas. And she was concerned because her knees were not so good, hip problems, a lot of low back pain. And she wanted to make sure that she had the stamina and she could do it safely. So we started small. You know, she's already kind of hiking around. She lived in the Bay Area, so she's hiking around some trails around there. And I was thinking, okay, we don't have big mountains that we can climb here to practice that, but we do have you know, stairs. 
So we went to some of the public transit stations and they had multi-level staircases. So we started training on the stairs and then we found our way up to steeper hills in the Santa Cruz mountains. And, and we start off small. Now, if I had taken her up into the mountains on day one for a hike, it probably wouldn't have gone so well. But, but working on building up gradually rather than just jumping into the end goal. And I feel like a lot of people, they lose their patience with it is they want to, you know, oh, I've been doing this for a couple of weeks and I should be better now. But you have to listen to your body. If you push a little too hard, your body will let you know you're going to be sore for a little while after workout or some activity and and you got to just back it down a little bit for the next time. Not to say we need to back off completely, but just a little bit less. And she was so successful with this mountain gorilla trip. She needed a little help here and there because it was muddy. But, but, you know, she had a great time, was able to do what she wanted to do because she had the patience to put in the time and build herself up. Another example that I'm thinking of is a doctor was um, giving suggestions to a patient of mine who was quite a bit over the target weight, I would say, had diabetes hadn't been exercising very much. And this person's doctor said, you need to go out and take a 20 minute walk every day. And this person was in no condition to take a 20 minute walk. Mm. So we started with four minutes, six minutes, built up from there, allowing rest breaks, and then walk a little bit more, you know, break up that 20 minutes throughout the day. But but feeling like, oh, the walking program says I need that 20 minutes, I need to go out and do it. If your body is saying that's not a good fit for you, the answer is not to stop. The answer is just to modify your approach and gradually build into it until you have the capacity to do the things you want to do. And I think if people take that approach with anything, whether it's walking 20 minutes or running a marathon, you're going to be able to accomplish the task if you allow your body to train into it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's so wonderful. What great success stories. Yeah. Yeah. So Jen, also you lead a lot of groups. Well, you do a lot of wonderful things. There's a few things I want to mention. One is the groups, but also a lot of the stuff we're talking about, you do a lot of videos. You have a YouTube channel, which I hope you'll start expanding and doing more of because what I feel like people could use is even like a quick 10 minute video of like posture or different exercises you can do for this problem or this joint issue or this or that. So that's just one thing to note that you do have that available to people who are kind of, if they're listening to this and they're wondering, well, how could I learn like a better exercise for my body type, for my focus, whatever it is. But you also do groups. And I think that there's something to say, social connection is another big part of health, right? And it also can be very encouraging and create a sense of community. And ultimately, our health is about community and connection, right? We, when we used to live more in like villages and communities, we did a lot of things together. We had we incorporated exercise into our everyday life, right? We would go and work on building houses in our community and paving roads. You know what I mean? Like we did things. And now, like you said, our current lifestyle is not. We don't get the things that we used to get. You know what I mean? We don't get as much human connection. We don't get as much physical activity and engagement each day. So 
having groups that you are a part of can help that. They can help you to kind of make physical activity, not so much about pushing yourself, but just enjoying yourself, coming together with others, focusing on moving the body and strengthening the body. Absolutely. So my general advice, if people ask me, how do we age well? General advice Mm. is three things. You need to stay physically active, socially active, and mentally active. And you hit two of those points at once was the, the, the social connection. And with the groups that you're talking about, I have an online fitness community. Yes. So when I move my business online, I teach fitness classes through Zoom Monday through Thursday. And this group of people, they're, they're not bashful about sharing that even though we are not together physically, it is a Zoom class that it is a community, that they feel the social support. If somebody doesn't show up to class, you know, people are texting, like, hey, you okay? And, and when we are in class, I always have a little bit of social time in the beginning of and, and end of class for us to catch up, see what's going on with each other. And having that network really does a few things. One is comforting to the soul, right? Is to have, have a support network. And when it comes to exercise in particular, and especially for women, not to say that women can't work out alone or that men can't wait work out in groups, but women more so than men tend to prefer groups because that creates a sense of connection and accountability. Mm-hmm. So when you have this group of friends that are used to being together, you it makes you accountable to show up and do the work and not say, oh, I just don't feel like doing that workout today. Yeah. Uh, you know, you've got friends to meet with. Right now, my mother-in-law is going to leave this weekend to go on a seven-day hike across the Grand Canyon with her friends. And these, this is a group of hiking friends that meet at least once a week to go out hiking in the San Gabriel Mountains. And now they're doing like this huge adventure together. Other, which I'm so excited about, but none of them would have done that on their own and none probably would not have done it if they were just, you know, oh, some random people are going to get together and go, but this is a community of women that have, have been together. And now as a group, they're all ready to price something different, step outside the comfort zone, really push themselves. And, and so with my online community, I, I get a lot of that feedback from people that, that it, even though it is a digital interface, that it is just as supportive as when people are together in an exercise class. So that's getting checking two boxes at once. So that's the socially active and the physically active. Uh, and I'm always welcoming anybody to come and try out the, that community and welcome everybody to see if those workouts fit well for their bodies. I do, you did mention the videos. I do have some on YouTube, but if you do join my website, I do have a library of full workouts and other videos with wellness tips and things like you mentioned before, being outside in nature about forest bathing and the benefits of forest bathing, meditations. I've got a few cooking and nutrition demos that are going to go up on there soon. So a variety of things. Uh, then I'll put some more on YouTube too. Fantastic. So really holistic. You're doing the whole package, the whole circle of needs and outlets for how we really 
keep ourselves well, how we really engage all aspects of our body and consider everything that we consume and do with our bodies, right? Because consumption isn't just food. It's also like, what are we putting into Like, what are we doing mentally? And what? how are we engaging ourselves, right? Because like nature bathing and all of that is like, you're consuming beautiful, fresh air and environments, right? That's something that we're bringing into our system. That's important. You also, you're doing a breath workshop this weekend. It'll be yeah. when this airs, it'll be in the past, but hopefully you'll do more than one. So that's also talking about how that affects our body. Breath is huge for regulating our system, for health, for keeping our respiratory system strong. So important. Yeah. And it's, I mean, yes, the respiratory system, but all aspects of health are related to breath. I mean, we don't exist if we don't breathe. And it's one of the tools that we can use that affects our physical well-being, our mental well-being, mental focus. So there's a lot that we can do with breath. So that's a really important topic. That's why I want to make sure I do workshops. I do workshops from time to time on different topics. And then also in my fitness community, every month we have a theme. So again, thinking of that holistically, last fall, we had a a month just on gratitude. And I know you know so well the benefits of if you practice gratitude regularly, it has a profound effect on your overall health, your mental health and your physical health. So I try to incorporate things that are evidence-based tools that people can put in their toolbox. You don't have to choose just one thing and like really focus on all only diet or only exercise. You have this whole wealth of tools that you can choose from to support you at different times because there are going to be times when maybe I'm not physically, well, physically or spiritually in in a place where I really want to like buckle down on the exercise, but I can draw in some of these other resources to make sure I stay healthy as well. Yeah. Everybody loves me the roller coaster of life. And so we just have to choose what's best for us in the moment. Yeah. And I think that's why communities based around lifestyle and health is so helpful because we go through all these different ups and downs and ins and outs. You know, maybe one week we're feeling really into, you know, our workout regimen and all that, but then maybe we get hurt and we wonder, how can I change this? What else can I do if I can't? And having people like you or others in a lifestyle community group, you can share about this, right? And they have forums for this, you know, like Facebook groups and such. And I don't know if you have one, but where people can like share like, hey, this is what happened to me. Like, has anybody been through this? What can I do? You know, all helping each other so we can recognize it's not the end of the world if we can't keep doing the workout routine we've been doing for two years. You know, we can adjust, we can change. I feel like there's there's a time for running. There's a time for yoga. There's a time for dance. You know, there's times for all these different types of exercises. And it's really about listening to what your body wants, but also what it's capable of at that time. Absolutely. Yeah. And you mentioned the support groups that you can get from different places. So there are in-person community support groups. Usually hospital systems have for different medical diagnoses, they'll have support groups set up, Facebook or other social media. All of those are good tools. I will just say that not every group is equal. So I I have had a patient who, you know, joined a pain group and she's like, man, all they do is sit around and talk about how much pain they're in. 
versus another group where they might talk about how much can you do? What are you enjoying in life despite having this medical condition? Yeah. So if, some, if you do find a group, but it isn't quite the right fit for you, there's so many out there, try another one. But those groups are really, really important for people through their recovery process or if you have a chronic condition of just kind of like being able to talk to somebody who understands what you're going through. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Jen, this has been so helpful and wonderful. Do you have any final tips for us? Consistency. The mind really likes novelty. The body really likes consistency and routine. So being consistent, um, making sure that you're doing something, making sure you're doing something you enjoy to do. If you feel like, oh, I can't wait for this to be over, you're probably not doing the right kind of exercise to nurture your spirit and your body. But being consistent, but also making sure that you have a little variability in there to keep pushing yourself. Because if we do the same thing all the time, then our body adapts and it's just going to stay there. And we need to keep being, oh, what else can I do? Can I add a few more minutes to that workout? Can I walk another quarter mile? So, so always making sure that you are not every day pushing yourself, but just over time, make sure you, you change it up a little bit. And then listening to what your body needs, nurturing your body, respecting it when it needs a rest, respecting it when it needs a change from the routine. And whenever you're in doubt, There is a profession of experts here who know exactly how to guide you in a safe way so you don't get hurt, so you can stay at your best for as long as you can through your lifespan. So I encourage everybody to reach out to a doctor of physical therapy to ask them for some advice and some guidance. And I, of course, am always here to help with people. If anybody does need any assistance, I'm at drjenpt.com, D-R-J-E-N-P-T.com. And so, yeah, I would say always, you know, feel free to ask an expert rather than finding your answers through YouTube or social media, because there's some great content there. There's also some pretty under-informed content there as well. Yeah, definitely. Well, Jen, thank you so much again for all this wonderful wisdom and valuable information. I loved having you on the show. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Whitney. This has been a lot of fun. It's always a pleasure to spend time with you. Always. All right, Jen. Well, Happy New Year. Take care. Happy New Year. Bye-bye. That wraps up our beautiful conversation with our wonderful guest. Thank you so much for listening to the Women Waken podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do share it with others and come back for more. If anything you heard resonates, leave a review or send me an email at Whitney at womenwaken.com and check out the website, womenwaken.com. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Don't forget to let your light shine and to keep an eye out for your special gifts and magic.